welcome to the 100th episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. Roger, we made it to 100. We made it to 100. You know, hopefully we'll make it to 1,000, right? There you go. Yep, absolutely. Uh, as long as the people are listening, we will we'll keep talking. So this week I thought we could talk about the broader economy and how changes we see in terms of inflation, interest rates, consumer sentiment, et cetera, uh, could impact the telecom industry. What are your thoughts? Well, we did a lot of recession analysis in 2019 and came to the conclusion it's not coming, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're looking at that and we look, we, part of that work, we, we looked at the, the Great Recession from 2008 and how this may impact all of that now where we have you know inflation at heights we haven't seen since the 70s so none of the executives of today have have working experience or almost none of them have working experience in a high high inflation environment unless they they worked overseas where where they didn't have it and for example, Jeff McElfresh from AT&T points out, you know, he has worked in Latin America, so he has firsthand experience what it is in a, in a high inflationary environment, which might give AT&T a leg up on how to, to navigate this. But high inflation does not mean recession, right? And so I, I don't think the book that says the, the recession of 2022 or 2023 has been written yet. And it might not even even happen, right? Because we still have a growing economy. We have growing jobs, at least from the employer side. There's some data that shows when you ask households about it, where, where there are job losses, we don't know if that's noise or anything. So a lot of people think it's recession coming. I think it's too early to tell. Now, how does this impact telecom overall and wireless in particular? I think the big difference compared to 2008, and maybe if we look back to 2008, the the recession of 2008, we had in the years before 2008, gangbuster growth in postpaid wireless, just like that we have now, right? Where you're like, just with lower penetration. And then when the recession hit, the whole thing flip-flopped. And you actually had falling postpaid subscriptions and and prepaid more than, than made that up. And we had more than 100% net ad growth from prepaid. I don't think we will see this now. And ACP is is a I think has a big role of that. Right. Well so I was gonna say that the kind of safety net slash lifeline options that are available today weren't always necessarily available at the sky at the size and scope as they were in two thousand eight. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we had lifeline then. Right, but not ACP. But not ACP and the flexibility with it, right? Lifeline, you have very similar 
criteria to qualify, actually a little bit stricter, because ACP, it's 200% of poverty line, plus if you're on a government subsidy plan or of your government subsidy plan. With Lifeline, it's 150%, and that's a lot less money, right? And you can only have one device per household. And so that, that was like the, the beginning of it. Now, with ACP, you get $30. There are plans that are less than $30 for both wireless and wireline because you can, you, you can now choose which one you do, and you don't have to be on a subscription of it. So if you're on a family plan, for example, you can put the $30 to it, and it's like a $30 price cut, right? And nobody is the wiser. Oh, you, you, you had to, you, you're now on, on ACP. And I think that will buffer both wireless and, and home internet quite a bit. So kind of top level, we expect if we do hit a recession that we could see some flip-flopping, right, between prepaid and postpaid. It will be interesting because, you know, when, when people fall on hard times, they're not voluntarily getting rid of their postpaid subscription. They're getting forced off because they can't pay the bill. And only then they get the, the prepaid subscription as a substitute, right? Nobody's saying like, oh, I lost my job. Let me get off postpaid. I haven't seen that at all. So they might downsize on the plan, right? Which may or may not have impact on, on uh, by the way, handset sales. Because if you remember, you know, last year with, with these really generous iPhone financing of like $1,000, right? Mm -hmm. The footnote was always, oh, you have to go on the highest price plan that we have. Right, and in some cases, that's up to three years to to get the credit sought back, right? Exactly, and and so things like that get may or may not get tough. You know, the operators might be forced to be a little bit more generous. I don't think you know when is iPhone coming in October or something. Late last week, September typically, right? Mm-hmm. And so we'll see what promotions come out there. And if they're a little bit more flexible on what price plan, but that would then impact like the time over which, you know, you have to keep the phone and amortize it. And then, you know, might be a four year financing, which would be, you know, that's a long time. I I feel like phones are built better than they used to be, but I I think I might struggle to make a phone last four years. So it's, it's one of the unintended consequences. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there's voluntary kind of upgrading events, obviously, but I know when we ask in, in our research what what will drive you to upgrade your phone, the largest category that people respond back is when it breaks, right? So there are a lot of people who are perfectly happy with the device they have and will keep using it for the foreseeable future as long as it works, right? And I, I question whether or not, you know, the average phone built today can can can, can survive four years of people dropping it and, and things of that nature. And we have interest. And, and another option we, are, we, we, we allow people is to say when, when the security updates run out. Right. And so one of the things to keep, keep an eye on is 
how long do the handset manufacturers guarantee software updates, especially for security? And security is, is a very important category nowadays mm-hmm. for, for people mm-hmm. to have. Well, so we've talked about kind of the consumer impact here. Can we can we talk a little bit about kind of the impact of the carriers? I know, you know, when these guys talk at investment conferences about inflation, they say, well, uh, you know, most of our contracts are for long-term agreements. So I think they might be sheltered in that respect. But there are, are there other areas of exposure, you know, from a, you know, call it supply chain or infrastructure or even cost of labor perspective that, that they could be exposed to in an economic downturn as well? Well, it's the cost of labor, right? And what's really interesting is, and I think it's one of the, the underreported items out here, so hint, hint to our friends from the press, is how the carrier-owned store versus dealer makeup has changed. Mm-hmm. I think Jeff McAlfresh said it quite well at the, what was it, Bank of America conference? Mm-hmm. Where he said, like, you know, we're perfectly hedged on the way up and down because AT&T, and it shouldn't be a surprise, a lot of the other two major carriers have have moved a lot more of their carrier-owned stores over to dealer-owned stores. And that makes it a little bit more expensive when when things are good. Uh, but it saves a, a fair bundle on the way, you know, if, if there's a contraction. Right. So, I mean, the economics of a carrier-owned store versus a dealer are very different in the sense that, you know, carrier-owned store, you're paying people to be there to open the door for customers, you know, no matter whether or not you're getting activations. Whereas a dealer, you just pay basically a spiff on the activation, and then the, the dealer bears the cost of, of, of hiring and firing people, right? And so you're only kind of paying for performance. You, you tend to have a little less margin in that circumstance, but the economics are very different. And, you know, a dealer that doesn't sell any phones or sell any plans doesn't make any money vis-a-vis the carriers, and the carriers don't have to pay for that, right? And you don't mind paying a little bit more when, when you have a gangbuster quarter. Right, right, right. So, but yeah, no. Overall, the good thing about working in telecom is it has become now such a necessity that you're kind of buffered from from the cyclical nature of the rest of the economy because people need and more importantly want these devices, right? They want and and need them not only for entertainment, but also to look for another job, to look out of it. And you know, remember we did a we we did some uh, bill ranking work a while back. And besides, you know, paying rent and your credit card, it's right there. Right. So yeah, what we what we saw is when we asked folks to prioritize the order in which they would pay bills. No matter what in the income, almost everybody prioritizes rent and mortgage. It's almost often, most often, the the highest dollar amount that people are paying for any bill, and you know it's where you live, it's the roof over your head, right? So that always gets prioritized. But generally, in the third or fourth slot, regardless of income, we see mobile, which is interesting, right? And you know, it's it's, it's 
just behind power and, and rent and and things like that 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 people you know definitely need to survive. Yeah. And it's it's now a necessity to get a new job in case you need a job, and it's the cheapest entertainment available. Looks like a winner, right? Even in a recession. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on it, and uh, congratulations again on uh, on one hundred. Well, congratulations right back. You know, we made it to 100. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Roger. Thank you.